G'day and welcome to Listener, an adventure in sound and meeting some quite extraordinary characters. Where were you on the day that we won the America's Cup? Well, I know one bloke who was on board that very yacht. And on the sand, just outside Townsville's little sailing club, I met Rob Brown from the America's Cup and talked about this most extraordinary and wonderful sport of sailing. He's a great Australian. But I tell you what, you can't sail America's Cup class if you haven't sailed one of these. Oh, why do you say that? Well, sailing is one of the most complicated sports, is it? but one of the most beneficial. You know, you're dealing with equipment. Yep. You're dealing with a medium that you can't see, and that's the wind. Indeed. And, you're dealing, and unpredictable, I suppose. Unpredictable, and you're also dealing with the ocean. And you combine all those three factors, yeah. and uh, you've got a very fulfilling, uh, challenging experience. But yeah. once you get hold of it, and it doesn't take that long, <laughs> once you get hold of it, you're off and running, and you can sail to the end of time. Have you sailed to the end of time and back? You could almost say that uh, with uh, being involved in the cup. Tell me, tell me your love for sailing and how it started. Well, I was fortunate to grow up uh, in a family that sailed in, okay. on Sydney yep. Harbour. Yep. So well, I had not much choice, but um, <laughs> I remember my dad teaching me to sail in a boat that he built, a Sabo, yep. in Five Dock Bay in Dremoyne in Sydney on yeah. the. On the uh, on the river, the Parramatta River. Did you fall out? No, I didn't. Oh, all right. But it was raining and it was miserable and I hated it. <laughs> then, we, then we went out on a nice sunny day and yeah. uh, all of a sudden... That uh, was it? Th- that was it. And, you know, I wasn't very competitive up until about probably 15. Okay. And as I got a little bit more involved in sailing, then all of a sudden I had the urge, and it was after watching the 1962, or actually listening to the 1962 America's Cup, when Gretel went across to America okay. oh, that, yes. and got beaten by the Americans, and yeah. all of a sudden there was a little penny drop there, and uh, I was very fortunate to continue my sailing in 12-foot skiffs, 18-foot skiffs, and then I did the Admiral's Cup yeah. with uh, a very famous sailor called Sir James Hardy, who was the skipper of Australia in the yeah. 1980 America's Cup. And he asked me to come and sail a main sheet trimmer for me, and that's what got me into... We came second that year. Yeah. But there's, as the Queen once said, there's no second place in the America's Cup. No. So we had to come back with Bondi in 1983 on Australia 2. And we beat the buggers. <laughs> All right. Look, I know you've been asked many, many, many times. In fact, only 500 yards from here, I heard when you guys came over. And the cheering, well, from here, I think I also heard Melbourne, Sydney, over. Everyone else's <laughs> cheer. We could all hear Everyone it from up here. Nuts, your, moment, your, your, your moment. Your uh, moment. J- just tell us. Cause here we are uh, amongst the sabos, young sailors. You're feeling that moment. That was uh, utter relief more than excitement. Okay. And it was because of all the preparation over many years that goes into getting not only uh, the boat and the crew but yourself personally up to a level where you can hang in there over 13 days of competition yeah. with all the ups and downs and breakages and protests and media. Were you stuffed? 
Um, we were mentally tied. We were. <laughs> we very well. We yes. didn't actually get on the drink. <laughs> no, I, I realise that. Well, I hope you did afterwards. A couple of days after. Yeah. And, uh, and then everyone sort of fell in a heap. But uh, it was, I think, more relief than excitement. Yeah. Because we didn't know what impact it was having back here in Australia. We got That's back. Great to see, yes. Yeah. Like the boxing kangaroo flag, which we invented for our battle flag, only went up the fourth day of Australia <laughs> 2 when we won. It never went up if we're coming back to dock and we didn't win. So, yeah. um, And when we flew back from Australia, the ground crew on the Kingsford Smith Airport, they're all waving boxing kangaroo flags. And blow me down, the Qantas plane had a boxing kangaroo flag painted on the tail of the plane. We go, hang on, that's our boxing kangaroo flag. What's it doing there? What's it doing there? When you got home, when you got home, you walked out and you knew how, how much it meant to Australia. What was that to you? Oh, look, that was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. I think I had one night home in three months <laughs> with all the celebration parties, the recognition. You know, they had a Rob day, Brown day at Dremoyne Council. Oh. And, um, you know, we went to so many different places and everyone was genuinely all over us. And um, we, we felt very humbled by the whole thing, you know. Oh. We, we, we didn't, you know... We went over there to win a yacht race, and we did, but we didn't realise how much impact that had on Australia. What do you think the kids get out of what's happening here at this great club? We've we've got our club now. We've got our full million. We've bought yep. the thing. Yes. What do you think the kids are going to get out of it? Well, I think the best thing that I've heard out of all this is becoming an aquatic hub. And okay. So I think people may come down and start stand-up paddleboarding and may see sailing as a different thing to do and try that. Or canoeing or yeah. outriggers. Yep. You even have swimming races or Ironman events, all this type of thing. And it all is going to happen out of this facility. And I think that um, is a, a better way to capture our young people, to give them something involved and something that they can grab onto as they're growing up. Yeah. And, and be able to be involved in activities, a sport, which will keep them away from all of the other distractions out there in the community. So you think there's something, say, teamwork, helping out your mates, uh, getting fit? You know, what is it to a young person? They might want to just yeah. stay on their iPads. Exactly. And having fun. Getting out there and um, exercising, being out in the elements and having a, res- a sense of responsibility to their equipment. You know, you've got to look after your boats, you've got to look after your sails. Yeah, yeah. You've got to look after your paddles and your um, uh, your canoes or your stand-up paddle boards. All that is giving them um, a little bit of responsibility. I think, you know, today's society is a little bit throwaway, go and use it and abuse it. Yeah. The sailing clubs and aquatic hub type uh, venues like this will be will teach kids, hang on, we can't go out and have fun if that equipment's broken. So no. they'll, they'll, they'll latch onto that. And, and the, the structure here is training. They've got a schools program teaching kids to sail, teaching them to look after their equipment, learning yep. the elements, learning safety, all those types of things all come together for a great experience. I, I need to ask you, Rob, on, on the subject of safety, you've been involved in a race where, where people lost their lives. So there's, yep. you know, there is danger in it too. Can, can you tell me about that? Well, yes, I've done 10 Sydney to Hobarts and I've sailed to Newmere and back and seen, you know, pretty atrocious conditions out yeah. in on the ocean. 
in 79, I did the Admiral's Cup for, with Australia. There were three yeah. boats, Ragamuffin, Impetuous, yes. which yes. I was on, and another boat called uh, Police Car. Yep. And we uh, were subjected to 80 to 90 knot winds. 40 to 50 foot seas. 40 to 50 foot seas. And there was 400 boats started the race and only 50 boats finished. And unfortunately, 17 people lost their lives in that race over in England. Yeah. So basically, the race was from uh, Cowles in England. Yes. Across to Fastnet Rock, which is off the coast of Ireland and back. Yes. And that's can be and was one of the most treacherous waterways in the world when the conditions get really bad. How do you how do you train for something like that? That's well, that was the worst conditions I've ever okay. sailed in, and I think you get um, uh, confidence in the people around you. We had a very good crew on board. We'd done our training to sail the boat properly. But you can't really train for those conditions. Mm. But having said that, guys like Sir James Hardy, yes. Hugh Trahan, uh, Phil Eady, our navigator, they'd been in similar sort of conditions. So there was um, uh, there was no panic. Our boat held together. It was well engineered. It yeah. was well maintained. Doesn't sound like fun, though. No, I kissed. <laughs> I, I kissed the dock when I got off in Plymouth. I tell you, I, I was. It's the coldest I've ever been. But blow me down two days later, here I am taking the boat back to London to put on the ship. So it's like, uh, uh, I suppose I've never had a child, but like they reckon that females only remember the good things about childbirth, and yeah. I suppose you don't worry about the bad things. Oh, the things bad things. When, when you're you're sailing. <laughs> and, and yachts are females, are they? Yes, sure. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> just, in, just in case you guys may have changed it around. Uh, Rob, thanks, mate. No worries. My pleasure. Uh, and, uh, for the love of sailing, hey? Yeah, Townsville, you beaut. Thanks for joining us on Listener. Rob Brown, O-A-M. Imagine how it must have been on the America's Cup. Have a great day from all of us here at Listener. Happy days. Uh